Hi, it's uh, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, and what you've got before your ears right now is the uh, a bonus episode from, let's see, the date of this original episode was uh, November 5, 2016. This is a uh, bonus episode number 8 that I've offered, and uh, it's not that long ago. But I figured we're in the uh, postseason now for baseball, and this particular episode uh, was was done right after the Chicago Cubs beat the Cleveland Indians. So I talk about that a bit. Uh, there's some more talk about. Uh, well, there's a little bit of talk about the uh, the the term sports ball. What I think of that, and uh, and the lack of photojournalism. Uh, that seems to be happening. Uh, newspapers letting their photojournalists go and then just having their regular journalists take the pictures. It's not a good result. And then let's see, then I've got some talk about my pillow. Not my actual pillow, but uh, the pillow that is advertised on TV. You see the guy with the little cross hanging out of his shirt and he's talking about his pillow. Some lawsuit thing happened. So uh, that's pretty much what you got here. It's a bonus episode from November 5, 2016, and I'm going to get it started right now. Uh, enjoy. This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Uh, let's see. I'm going to warn you right up front on this show, I'm going to talk a lot about sports. A lot of sports talk at the top of the show. So if you're, not, if you're someone who's not into the sports ball... Which, by the way, sports ball, you know, I, I have to admit, I'm probably just as guilty as anybody else when it comes to this kind of an attitude. The term sports ball has been showing up where, where people are saying, oh, look at me, I'm so much more superior to the people who are into sports. I call it sports ball because I don't know anything about it, nor do I care to. I call it sports ball. And again, I'm just as guilty about this kind of thing as anybody else. I've, you know, it's a, I, I, I'm proposing that we add ball, the word ball, as a suffix. You know, like Watergate, you know, when Watergate happened back in the early 70s, uh, it was named after the Watergate Hotel, which was somewhere out there on the East Coast, in Washington, D.C.? Was it in Washington, D.C.? specifically there or near it or whatever and it had the you know it did the break in and all that kind of stuff anyway so ever since then ever since watergate 
any kind of a scandalous event, if they can throw a gate at the end of the title, you know, like right now we got email gate. I don't know. Are they calling it email gate? God. Anyway, uh, not to get too far into that, but you know what I mean. Throw a gate at the end of it, and and, and it's it's a controversial, uh, clandestine, bad, nasty, terrible thing. Maybe not necessarily clandestine, but you know, it's just some sort of scandalous, terrible event. And well, let's put a gate at the end of it. All right, that's how that all came to be. And. I'm saying that maybe we should take the word ball, because you know somebody on the internet's made up sports balls or sports ball. Are they playing sports ball? Sports ball? Is that sports ball they're playing there? Because I don't know anything about it. Oh no, I I can't be bothered to learn anything about sports ball because it's just not something I'm interested in, which is perfectly fine. You don't have to be interested in sports. You don't have to be. You know. Just like you know, it's, it's like you said. Oh, you guys talking about comic books ball? I don't know anything about comic books ball. See, throw a ball at the end of it. Uh, what else? Uh, 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 Walking Dead ball? Uh, how about Walking Dead? I don't know anything about Walking Dead ball. I'm sorry. Is that what you guys are talking about? <laughs> I hear that's a popular show, but I don't watch it. And that's why I have to admit my own little guilt when it comes to that because some time ago on Facebook I don't know what possessed me but I just put on a, a, in my status I just said you know I've never watched Game of Thrones uh, Walking Dead and you know a couple other big time shows that everybody talks about uh, I think I even had Daredevil in there but I've watched that one since but uh, I said just saying and and from judging by the comments that came through it I, there was a little bit of a it, you know, like I was throwing the sports ball attitude at people who like those shows. Hey, you know, not everybody likes the same thing. It's variety's the spice of life or something like that. Not everybody's going to like the same stuff. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I could sit there saying this. Oh, are you listening to today's pop music ball? Is that what this is? Because I don't know much about today's pop music. And i got to admit, sometimes I feel kind of uh, good about that. What's this? Who's this? Huh? Who's that? <laughs> there's a there's a uh, a gossip site that I'll go to. It's called uh, What Would Tyler Durden Do, and it's just a snarky, gossipy Hollywood thing, and it's my one concession to gossip kind of stuff. And I and I see people on there. It's like so and so had a uh, you know a drunken tirade at a club or something, and I think. Who is that so and so? Who is that? <laughs> you know, I just, I, I don't know, I've never heard of this person. Um, I th that's what happened with like with Lady Gaga when she first started showing up on the gossip sites. It's like, what the heck is this? And then eventually she became more in the public eye. She, it's like she showed up on the gossip pages first, and then she became more and more something. She was driving, wearing a meat dress or something, or she was out in public where. She was just wearing a long shirt that just kind of barely covered. And you know, I think my, my wife left a comment on something saying, she ain't got no pants on. <laughs> Which is kind of funny in a, in a weird kind of my wife's cool sense of humor sort of way. And uh, anyway, so yeah, so that's the one kind of concession I give to the pop culture gossip 
kind of stuff. Oh, and as long as it's popping into my head, a couple weeks back, uh, 60 Minutes, 60 Minutes had a had a program, or one of their one of their segments was about the new fame or something. The new, the people that are that are making money off of the internet, that that are making viral videos. Uh, there's one fellow that does these vines, which are six second videos, and he does little little six second movies, jokes, things like that, and and. And they're, you know, they showed a couple of them. They're kind of clever, and and the guys, and these guys are making tons of money off of this kind of stuff, which is really, <laughs> and I, okay, you know, because uh, I, I was listening to Penn Jillette's, uh podcast, and he was talking about how progress happens with uh, uh, when it does happen. There are people that lose out on their livelihood. You know, when cars came into fashion. It, it, and people started being able to afford cars. The you know horse and buggy guys uh, lost their jobs because, well, nobody wanted those anymore. They all wanted cars, you know, things like that. So there's uh, these transition type things, and you know, so he was talking about America started out a. Uh, uh, an agricultural economy, and then the industrial revolution came around, and it was the industrial economy, and then it became like the sur- a service economy. And he says, now in the future, it'll pro- everybody will make money being in entertainment. We'll all make money on YouTube and and coming up with that kind of stuff. Who knows? Um, Penn's not always right, <laughs> but I thought that was interesting. And then see the thing that I bring up the sixty minute segment. They they did a, a an interview with uh, Kim Kardashian. And that she's uh, she's making millions and millions off of her fame, essentially, and she's you know, she's you know she's doing a good job of it. But we just Amy and I just sat there watching this thing, and and nowhere in there did it explain how it is that she got herself in that position to uh, make tons of money off the internet. Uh, she got in that position because she got in a, several positions uh, with uh, what's his name, <laughs> Ray J. Is that was that the guy, uh, her boyfriend at the time? See, they made a sex tape and it got out there on the internet. No mention of that. This is what brought her to public attention. This is this is what did it. It wasn't that everybody was following her father, Robert Kardashian, who was one of OJ's dream team lawyers. If it wasn't because of him. You know, he disappeared. I think he's died. I think he's dead, right? And, but it wasn't that. And it wasn't... It, this This thing happened. This video was made. It got out there on the internets. Everybody found out that, well, she's pretty good looking and she seems to be accommodating. And, and all of a sudden, she's making millions of dollars <laughs> off of it. Ah, America. <laughs> I guess it's a it is a great country, but uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, I think we should do we should take take ball and put it at the end of anything that that you don't know anything about, and you don't really want to know anything about. Oh, you're watching some reality TV ball. Uh, oh, is this country music ball? <laughs> you know that kind of stuff. I don't have any interest in in uh, um, comic book movies ball. Which what I do, but you know what I mean. 
it's, it's, I, just give it a try. Let's see if we can do it. And, and if it does happen, I'll, I'll earn my way onto Wikipedia. <laughs> or at least the Urban Dictionary. Uh, uh, okay. Um, so, like I said, I was going to talk a lot about sports. Because, well, specifically, I just love baseball. And we just got an, another example, a fine, terrific example of why I do there is no other sport. None. There's not, not, I mean, you could argue with me if you want, and that's fine. You can think that some other sport offers this kind of thing, but there is no other sport, team sport especially, that offers the kind of drama that baseball can offer. Sure, it's a 162-game season, and it's a long season, and there's you know, day after day there's games played, and you know they can get kind of a long slog, and the games are getting kind of long, so the, the league needs to try to figure out how to move these things along a little bit. In the old days, the games went by you know hour and a half, two hours. Now it's three hours minimum. And this World Series that we just got through, I think four hours was the minimum on it, and Game 7, which I'll talk about in a little bit, I think it took about five hours to complete, but there was a 17-minute rain delay. I mean, who writes this script? <laughs> but I'm getting ahead of myself. But for if, if, as the season rolls out, and the, you know, some teams it, it does it takes a, some teams it becomes obvious very soon. And I mean, they're really good teams, and you know that they're going to be they're going to be in the postseason, or they're they're very good chance they're going to be there. And some teams, like the Twins, <laughs> just drop out of sight, and who cares? It's, it's, it's that's happens, and because they had a terrible season last year. Let's let's see if we can get Theo Epstein to come over to the Twins. <laughs> let's see if we can get him. Come on, come on. Uh, anyway, um, we. You, and then, but as but then the excitement comes to be who's going to have another who who might have a chance who might get up there, and when you get to the end of the season and and the postseason has gotten a lot longer than it used to be. It used to just be there's the National League and American League. The champion of each league would be the the one team that won the most games in that league, and you know they would go on and play the World Series, and then the leagues split up into divisions. In, you know, two divisions each, east and west, and then you know the best in the west and the best in the east in each division would meet each other in a playoff. Uh, you know, in the uh, you know the championship league series, and the winner of that would head to the World Series. And now, <laughs> then then it went to a division series, and then there's there's a wild game, the uh, the wild card game, that the uh, two teams play one game. To see, you know, they're the wild card teams, they get to see. It's it's it gets a little complicated, and it becomes a long postseason. So, the drama of things. Now, if you watch, you know, you must know now that the uh, Chicago Cubs. I talked about it last week. I thought, boy, you know, either team, the Chicago Cubs or the Cleveland Indians, either team winning. It's it's been 108 years for the Cubs, 68 years for the uh, uh, for the uh, uh, the Indians to have won a World Series. The Cubs, it had been 71 years since they had actually been in a World Series. For the uh, Cleveland Indians, it's been something like 19 years. But that's still, you know, 19 years isn't 
anything to sneeze at, but <laughs> 71 years and then 108 years since you've won, that is really something. So, of course, the nation is pulling for the Cubs. I, of course, I was pulling for the Cubs. I wanted them to win. And <clears throat> when the series started, Cubs won the first game, but they lost the next three. You know, the, the, the series started in Cleveland. Two games there, then three games in Chicago, and then three games again in Cleveland. So the Cubs win that first game. I thought, okay, you know, they had the best record of this in baseball for the season. They're going to, you know, okay, looks pretty good start. You, you win one in there in, in the opposing players, uh, opposing team's uh, ballpark, and that's, that's good. That's a good thing. And then they lose the next three. So it's like, eek, this isn't looking so hot. Uh, game five. They won that one. It was, it was a bit. It, it got touch and go a little bit, but they didn't. They the, the Cubs won it. Game six had it in hand pretty much through the whole thing. It just the the Cubs just just had it. And then came game seven. Wow, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Wow, game seven. I watched that whole thing because I, I want to see history. Because history is going to be made no matter what. You know. One of these teams is going to break a long streak, and it's it it's just the it was a game that that you felt you know, like okay the Cubs got it oh wait a minute and then oh they got oh no <laughs> it just it was up and down and it it it, it was just awesome and then of course the rain delay takes place and it, yeah it just who scripted this you you have to think that. Uh, the, the 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 Cubs went up, I think six to one. I said, okay, they, yeah, this is good. Okay, good, this is good. And then, you know, then they got two runs, and it got six. It got to be six to three. Um, they, I mean, I think it was still six to one when Hendricks, who was the pitcher who started for the Cubs, got pulled because um, because uh, he he you know he got two guys out and then he walked a guy. And he says, why don't you just let him get that chance to, to get the guy, get the next batter? Let's just give him. No, so they bring in John Lester, who faltered a little bit, wild pitch, brought in two runs. So it goes to 6-3. to three. And I get up, and I'm just, I am just livid. <laughs> I got up and had to walk and go to the bathroom. Sad, damn it, you could have just left Hendricks in there. That's how I was. I said, you just gotta left him in there. What's the problem? Just let him face one more batter. Come on, just gotta, let's get him. Now it's six to three. The Cubs are gonna, Cubs are gonna lose it. They're gonna blow it. Yeah. So, anyway, so I come out. I start watching the rest of the game. And the Cubs don't score again. And it, things are, you know, okay, we're getting through. We're getting through. Um,. But these pitchers were tired. It's a long postseason, and the way they were used, the relief pitchers, the closer was used for the, uh, for the, uh, Cleveland. The clo closer, a fellow named Araldus Chapman, and if you were watching the games on Fox, you heard uh, Jack, uh, no, not Jack, Joe Buck say Araldus Chapman about a thousand times a game. He just loves Araldus Chapman, just loves him, and just kept talking about him. Yes, I know at some points it was pertinent to talk about him, but just please. Anyway, so he was getting tired, and next thing you know, the game's tied up. Bottom of the eighth. The game's tied up. What the? <laughs> but when that happened, I just started laughing. I just laughed. I said, of course. Of course this is what's going on. Of course. It's baseball. You can't just, of course. You know, and, um, and, and, and it, it, I was tense 
through most of the game. Just, come on, come on. You know, I was like that through most of the game. And really, I have no vested interest in either of these teams. And, you know, when, when you come down to the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really mean anything, even if it was the Minnesota Twins in there. But still. <laughs> but when it got tied, I just relaxed. I just went, huh. I felt just completely relaxed. And I was able to watch the rest of the game and have no concern. You know, Cleveland wins, that'll be great. Cubs wins, that'll be super great. But that's how I was. A rain delay takes place. The game is tied. They come back in. Uh, they've gone into extra innings. They come back in for the 10th. And the Cubs scratch out two runs. Yeah, it's like, I can't believe this. And then in the bottom of the 10th, uh, I believe there was a home run hit by the uh, uh, by the Indians. They got a run, so it's eight to seven. But the Cubs were able to close down that inning. The last play, the last out was a you know, it seemed a little iffy. You know, like is he going to be able to complete this? So this is Bryant who was playing third. Is he is he going to be able to get the ball to Rizzo over on first to get the out? And he slipped while he threw the ball, and he still got it there. It's over, and then of course it's history. You know. It's the Cubs, and it was just oh, it was so great. It was such, it was so great. Uh, it was so much fun, and it was such a great series. And it's, it, I would say, that it is as Game Sevens go for a World Series. It's going to be very difficult to top that one. However, <laughs> there is one that exists already. I'm going to talk about that a little bit compared the two when I get back. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I shall return for more sports ball talk. Yeah, you're excited about that, ain't you? I'll be Hornswoggled. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Doubtful News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. Come visit doubtfulnews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Doubtful News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Delphal News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. 
Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Dr. Dim might even have a guest or two. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Network. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. You may notice I have a little bit of a croak in the voice. I don't know what's going on. It's been like that for, well, it, I, it was okay last week, and it's mostly okay right now, but every now and then it gets kind of like that. Uh, I think it's allergies, because I feel fine otherwise. Uh, and I, you know, and it's been a warm fall so far. It's been a beautiful November so far. Uh, it was Halloween last weekend, or last Monday, and uh, we had 99 kids come to the door trick-or-treating, which is pretty good, and uh, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, but friend of the show, Kitty Mervine, out there in New Hampshire, uh, she said she had 453. Wow. And someone in her thread, when she was on Facebook, she posted on Facebook, she had 453 kids come through. Someone in the thread, uh, comment thread, mentioned that uh, their brother or something uh, at his house gets close to 800 each year. And I thought, what are you people giving out? $50 bills? Uh, that, uh, astounding, but Kitty explained to me that they do live close to some very affluent neighborhood kind of thing, and and there's a residence that's got lots of people in it, and there's an apartment building. This, you know, she just said that good amount of kids in the area, and it's a good neighborhood, so that you know a lot of people bring people bring their kids into neighborhoods. I got to tell you though, uh, even though, even though we got 99 kids. Uh, looking up and down the block, you just don't see as many houses as you used to. I mean, when I was a kid, and I talked about this last last week, talking about going all over the place. There would be house after house after house after house with the porch light on on, on Halloween. But now it's it seems like on one side of a block, you'll get maybe three or four houses. Maybe five, if you're lucky, on a block that might have ten houses on it. It's like, what the hell? What's going on? Weird. But we still got 99. I was hoping for 70 because I think last year we got about 70. And uh, I was hoping for 70 and we got 99. That's cool. I was hoping for that one more kid, but nobody showed up. Anyway, I was talking about sports ball, wasn't I? <clears throat> this past uh, Game 7 World Series had the uh, largest audience for a World Series game in the last 25 years. 
25 years ago, it was the Twins, Minnesota Twins, and the Atlanta Braves in a seven-game series that captured the imagination of America. It was quite an astounding series. It really was. Uh, just the, the, the closeness of the games, the, you know, uh, how many of them? I think it was something like four or five of them were won in the last at-bat, you know, the walk-off win. Uh, they went in, several of them went into extra innings. It was there was only one game that was a blowout. Uh, either team only won their home games, so they, you know it was the advantage for the Twins. American League year that year had the advantage. Uh, so there was four games in in Minneapolis and three games in Atlanta, and it was it was glorious, man. I mean, '87 was fantastic because that was the Twins winning their first World Series ever uh, as the Twins. If you go back far enough in the franchise history, where you go back pre-1961 when they were the uh, Washington Senators way back when when Walter Johnson was pitching which 1920s the 19 teens or something like that 1920s something like somewhere in that area and he was older at that point too he was getting toward the end of his career uh, they, they won a World Series but it was only one the Washington Senators only won, won one World Series and then they moved out to Minneapolis in 1961 and 65 they got into the series but they were beaten by the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, they didn't get back to a series again until 1987 which kind of was a flukish kind of thing because they did not have the best record in baseball uh, they had to uh, beat the Detroit Tigers in order to get to the World Series that year and Detroit Tigers had the, I think the best record at that time but uh, the Twins just beat them up we, we beat them in five games in a seven-game series. We beat them in five games. Uh, we beat them, you know, I think in Detroit is where we, where we won it. And then the guys come home. And, oh, it was, it was great. But I won't get too sidetracked there. And then they went into the World Series and beat the um, St. Louis Cardinals again in seven games and again only winning their home games. But that one, that one, was, that one has the warmest place in your heart if you're a Twins fan because it was their first. But you still have to admit, well, you know, they weren't the best team in the league. But at that point, you know, they did what they, you know, had to do to win. And they beat they beat another team. They were kind of lucky, if I recall. I think it was Will Clark was their was the Cardinals' big hitter that year, and he was injured and he couldn't play. So they were kind of lucky that he wasn't there. But nevertheless, they won. And then in 90, 1991, it was a much better Twins team, a much better record, much more deserving to be in the postseason than, you know, some people scoffed at you know, the 87 Twins, but much better. And that series was fan-flippin-tastic. Uh, I think it's ESPN Online or Sports Illustrated Online, one of the two, did a when 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 the 100th World Series was uh, happened a couple of few years ago, they did the list of the, you know, from 100 to one the best World Series ranked them. They ranked them all the way. And number one was the 1991 World Series between the Twins and the Braves. That was the number one World Series that they picked because it was just so great. And let's talk Game Seven. Game Seven of that World Series. Okay. In 2016, just this past series, Game, game 7 garnered the largest audience, viewing audience, uh, since 1991, the Game 7 there. And uh, what, uh, what was the, the numbers were for 2016, uh, 40 million people watched. 
Game 7, with a peak audience of 49.9 million. That peak didn't let anyone, like, I think they mentioned the time period where that happened, but I guess officially they'll call it 40 million people watched it. I suppose they, as, you know, they do it in 15-minute increments or something. I'm not sure how they figure out who's watching what. I'm not sure, but they do. Anyway, um, and that's pretty damn good. But, you know, in 1991, it was 50.3 million people watched that Game 7. And that's kind of astounding. You know, I know, I'm, I'm a Homer guy. I'm a Twins fan, so I'm going to be kind of a little leaning toward them. But that is kind of astounding because that was not, neither of the two, two teams playing were, you know, the sweethearts of American baseball, like the Cubs. Everybody loves the Cubs. You know, these lovable losers that just never quite managed to get there and, you know, haven't won in so long. So everybody just, you know, we're, of course we're all thrilled they've won it. Let's hope they don't fall into the, the Red Sox thing. <laughs> when the Red Sox finally won their World Series after 86 years of not winning, uh, and then, let's see, two years later winning another one, uh, we started to get a little annoyed <laughs> at the Red Sox team and their fans, a little bit of the fans. Hopefully the Cubs fans will be cool because they really love their Cubs. And, that's, and, and one, thing, one thing that Amy pointed out, those last two games were in Cleveland. Game six, game seven, in Cleveland. And when something good would happen for the Cubs, the amount of cheering that took place almost, at times, was seemed more uh, uh, um, excited and louder than the cheering for when the Indians had something good happen. It seemed like there were more Cubs fans at the game than there were Indians fans. Now, I don't think... There were more, but there were an awful lot of Cubs fans there. It was it was pretty surprising. So you know, when a Cub hit a home run, that grand slam took place in the, in the in Game Six. I mean, the sound of the crowd was just as though they were at Wrigley, almost as though they were at Wrigley. I shouldn't give it quite there. So that was great. Great, but in 1991, neither the Twins or the Braves were exactly the you know darlings of the baseball world that captured the imagination of a nation. But no, what happened there was it was such an astounding series with all these close games and extra innings and these astounding plays and just all that stuff was going on that people said, we got to watch the end of this game. And that game, holy smokes, that game was, uh, it was John Smoltz for the Atlanta Braves, starting pitcher, and Jack Morris for the Minnesota Twins. We, uh, the, the Twins brought Jack Morris in for just that one season. They couldn't make come to terms for another season with him or whatever. He was toward the end of his career, um, and he had been in the 80s. He had been one of the premier pitchers in the league. He, he I think he uh, worked with the Detroit Tigers for the most part in that decade. Maybe somebody else, but I think it was Detroit. And he just, you know, he was a really good pitcher, and he had a fantastic game. John Smoltz had a really good game too, but. Jack Morris pitched 10 innings, and there was no score. He pitched 10 innings of scoreless ball. Had some good defense behind him and a couple of plays. Uh, there was a play where the um, second baseman, the rookie, uh, Chuck Knobloch, uh, did a move. You know, the, There was a ball that went out. He moved as though he had gotten the ball and was throwing it to third. And a base runner, I can't remember who it was, the base runner, got hesitated. 
and that kept him from either getting uh, making it away around to third or to home. It just saved a run, uh, ultimately, because it kept him from getting either to third base or to actually getting into home. And so it was. He had, Morris had that help him. And I don't know which inning it was, the eighth or the ninth. Morris had a little. There was just a little. Is he getting tired? Do we need to do something? You know, a little bit of that. So the manager of the Twins, Tom Kelly, goes out to talk to uh, to Jack. And usually what happens in baseball is when the manager comes out, and there's the pitching coach will come out and talk with the pitcher, but they don't generally pull the pitcher. It's the manager that does that. When the manager comes out, that means you're done, generally. And he wa- you know, the story is that, as Tom Kelly was telling it after the game, he said, I went out, I talked to Jack, and Jack says, you're not taking me out of this game. <laughs> You're not taking me out of this game. I'm not. I'm not walking out. I'm, you're not. He just. I'm not leaving this game. And and you know, TK said to him, "It's just how are you feeling. You think you got it?" And he says, "I got it. You're not taking me out of this game." So okay, it's just a game. And he walked back. And and it was brilliant. But you see, Game Seven of this past World Series had the up had the roller coaster thrill ride. That was it. That was the drama of that. The roller coaster, like you know, it feels like the Cubs got it. Oh, the Cubs are slipping it away. Oh my goodness, it's tied. What's going to happen? You know, it's just it was up and down, back and forth. It and it just. <sighs> so when they finally won, I mean, the tension and drama was built through that. You know, it's, who can keep this lead? Who can keep them from scoring? The pitchers are all getting tired. How, you know, the way they used their pitchers was completely different than when than Game Seven and Ninety One. Because in Game Seven Ninety One, you know. You know Jack Morris went ten innings, and Jack John Smoltz I think went eight before they brought in their closer. And it, you know, and he pitched a whale of a game too, scoreless. The '91 series was the the drama was the tension, the tension just building after inning after inning after inning. Just let's, let's come on, somebody score, let's get this done. Especially you get to the late innings, and then it gets into extra innings, and it's the you know the top of the tenth and. Uh, and Jack Morris is pitching, and it's like, he's still doing all, nobody's hitting. And finally, we got a guy on third. Stan Gladden was on third, and uh, Gene Larkin, I think it was, uh, came up to bat, and he hit a single. He dropped, you know, got a hit to the outfield, brought in Dan Gladden, we won the game, and uh, the city exploded. Friends of mine and I, we went down to Minneapolis, and we high-fived about 1,000 people and just, just hung out for a while. It was It was great. So so that was the difference in the drama. And I've also listened to people who know a lot more about baseball than I do. And they talk about, well, you know, for, 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 the, for baseball, for baseball play, 91 is a better game because it was so well played as far as that goes. You know, for fundamental baseball, pitching performance, all that, it was, it was better that way. But for this re- recent one, just for a thrill ride, I, that one's going to rival it. So, you know, I, for me, I'll just say rival it because I can't, you know, I can't take it away from my twins. <laughs> but, um, oh, man, what a series. And then I watched the uh, the parade today uh, live on online through uh, WGN. And they did something really smart. 
because uh, these they, they would have like I think they're probably their morning news people were the ones that were talking about what's going on in this parade and they're giving the commentary and then they got reporters dispersed around the parade route and they had at least I think they had one reporter on one of the buses that was bringing the team from you know the airport or whatever over to you know, wherever they they started out, and then over through the city, and then to this big field where they would do their, you know, talk talks and all that, and um, they they you know they, these people can be a little annoying when you listen to them talk, and they they don't have scripts, and they're trying to just do this off the top of their head, and they end up saying kind of the same thing over and over, and they're not sure who to go to here, and maybe the microphone doesn't work over there, and you get stuff like that, so you get through that. But when and and it was smart of the of the Chicago Cubs team to get uh, those tour buses, the double decker tour buses with the open tops, because if they hadn't, if they had them driving in in, in convertibles like when the Twins in 1987 and the 1991 did when on their on their parade to the, through town, nobody would, you know, barely anybody would have been able to see them. Because the amount of people there, I heard anywhere from three million to six million people were there. That's insane. I'm sure we'll get better numbers as the you know, as the days go by, but it, it was so. WGN did something smart. Once those buses got to is it Michigan Avenue, the big street in downtown Chicago. Once they got there, and started to head down where the the thickest concentration of the fans were, the commentators shut the hell up, and just let the sounds of the crowd. And some of the sounds of the players talking to the, amongst themselves and to their girlfriends and wives or whatever on the buses, they just shut the hell up and let us take that in. So for I don't know how many minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, there was only broken up a couple of times by a reporter on one of the buses just saying to one of the players, "What do you think of this?" And then they talk a little bit about it, and that was fine. And and that I, it, that was about as close as I got because you know me, I'm heartless and I don't care but that was about as close as I got to getting a tear in my eye I had a little lump in my throat watching that even with you know the, the winning of the game and all the stories I was hearing about some guy going out to the gravesite with his uh, where his father uh, was buried and you know watching the game on his device with his father at the gravesite because he promised him if the twins or if the uh, Cubs ever get to the World Series he'd do that and he'd, he'd bring he'd watch, you know listen to the game with his dad well his dad died in 1980 and at a very young age actually and uh, and so you know the stories like that and you know these other little interesting stories about people who were eighty something years old and this is the first time they're seeing it. No, nope, rock hard. You know, just cold as ice. My heart. But with all those fans, just the vast number of them. Actually, my heart's not that cold. But the vast number. I'm just. I got close at that point. Ooh, but right now, I'm really, really, really close to my next break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I shall return with maybe a little more sports ball, maybe something else I should maybe mention. Uh, I'll be back. not your cup of tea. 
If you don't clean up your room, the Board of Health is going to condemn it. The Board of Health doesn't even know about your room. What's more, they don't care. You know, if you keep making that face, it's going to freeze that way. Not unless you're someplace really, really cold. Actually, a lot of the warnings moms hand out are a bit exaggerated. If you don't get your blood pressure checked, you could have high blood pressure, not even know it, and you could die from a stroke. But she's right about that one. Fact is, high blood pressure contributes to 200,000 American deaths each year. And a third of those who have high blood pressure don't know it. If they did, it'd be simple to treat. Call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit AmericanHeart.org on the web to learn more. Better still, ask your doctor to check your blood pressure. If you run with those scissors, it's the least you can do. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. I'm a paramedic, and it may sound silly, but a lot of people are afraid to call 911 when they're experiencing uncomfortable pressure, fullness, squeezing, or pain in the center of the chest. Instead, people risk permanent damage or death because they're afraid they might get a lecture. To learn more about heart attack warning signs, call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit us on the web at AmericanHeart.org. I am living on Channel Z. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. I am living on Channel Z. I never said it's any good. That's a slave I picked up in school. Well, nothing's changed since you left on this land. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Been talking a lot of sports ball tonight. Uh, sorry if you might not be interested in sports ball, but I am. Uh, baseball specifically and how fantastic that game is. I, again, I will say there is no other game that provides the kind of drama that baseball does. There just isn't. Uh, anyway, so, it, this is related to the sports ball and, and to this past World Series. Uh, I spotted this on Facebook. Uh, there was a, uh, a little bit of criticism levied at uh, the Chicago Sun-Times. A little comparison of you know, the way the, the newspaper business is going uh, the there was uh, um, somebody had uh, posted it. Uh, I'll link to it when because it's it's a visual kind of thing. I'll describe it as best I can, but you'll have to take a look at it. Just check on the show notes when they go up. 
uh, on Monday. And what it's, it's about photojournalism. And a really good photojournalist, experienced and trained and understanding their medium and understanding the moments that they they find themselves in, really good photojournalists know how to capture a moment. They know, you know, they just, they know how to get that picture that says so much. Just think of some of the great pictures in photojournalism that, you know, over the years. There's, you know, the of wonderful things, wonderful moments, you know, the VJ Day, I think it was VJ Day, where eh, some people have been upset about the picture because it's just some sailor grabbing some woman and kissing her. Uh, you know, just just let's put that aside and just look at that picture, that that iconic image, uh, and two two nasty things, bad things, terrible things that happened to us. The the picture from Vietnam of the of the um, uh, South Vietnamese colonel, I think he was, maybe a general, but I think he was a colonel that uh, it just he who shoots uh, uh, someone suspected as a spy or I think. I think it was somebody who had just done something bad. It's just, just it did, it didn't attack, and he just goes up and he just puts the gun to the guy's head and just shoots him. And there's the picture of that, that that last second before the bullet comes out of the gun or whatever, or as it's coming out. It's there's that picture. And there's all kinds of you know. Just think of the photographs that look great. You know, for baseball, there's a there's a picture of um, of Babe Ruth. At uh, there was a, a sort of like a Babe Ruth Appreciation Day. It was late in his life. He hadn't. Been, he, he was out of the game, and they brought him back to Yankee Stadium. Hated Yankee Stadium. Which, by the way, any postseason without the hated Yankees in it, that's a good postseason. We had a good postseason this year. Anyway, uh, so Babe Ruth is is uh, uh, he's got his old uniform on he's uh, kind of a wisp of a man at this point I mean he was this big barrel just chested fellow with weird skinny legs but just this big guy and he had throat cancer and I believe it was throat cancer but uh, and it had taken its toll on him but they bring him out and there's a picture of him uh, you know from behind. Uh, the picture was taken. I think the photographer might have been, you know, he was, he was he was on a knee on the ground, kind of looking up a little bit, or it might have been in the dugout taking the picture. So the picture is kind of looking up from the ground just a little, not right down at the ground, but just kind of a little bit. And uh, Babe Ruth had brought along, he, he had a baseball bat in his, you know, he walked out of the dugout to the crowd and the cheer of the crowds, and he was going to give a little talk. And uh, or whatever, just get an award or whatever it was going to be. And he comes walking out, and he he was coughing, and he would lean on that baseball bat. So the shot is behind him, leaning on it, and it tells you the whole moment of of the frailty of this of this giant of a baseball player. You know, still the probably the most recognizable name in baseball for certain, if not sports, to get you know, in in all of sports in in the entire world. You know, you, if you ask somebody to think of a, of an athlete, you know, chances are, he says, any athlete, any time, think of an athlete. You name me an athlete. Chances are they're going to say Babe Ruth. You know, maybe as time goes on, less people will, but still. So there's moments like that are caught 
by photojournalists. They they just they just if they're really good, they know how. They just they're there. It's kind of part instinct and it's part experience and knowing where to get and watching it and sizing up what the image might look like before you even snap the picture. Just getting getting yourself in position to get the shot. And and you know, sure, there's those quick click camera thing, you know, that, that do that kind of thing. But even in the old days where it was slower, you know, you had to be even more on top of your game to just get there. But even with the quick shot, you know, you still have to have an eye for it. Well, I guess some years ago, not all that long ago, but newspapers have been getting, you know, dying. It's because the internet is taken away from newspapers. But we should still have something like this. It's too bad that you, that. that Hopefully, newspapers can kind of get themselves as part of the internet and figure out how to make that work. I know a fellow who used to work in the newspaper business, and he's you know we talked about things, and he says yeah they they still don't quite get how to use the internet in his experience anyway. And so some years ago, there's two newspapers for the Chicago area. There's the Chicago Tribune and the Chicago Sometimes. Sun Times, and the the Sun Times laid off all their photojournalists, and then they you know sent memos out to their reporters uh, to check out how to, to learn how to use iPhones for photography, so that the reporters can take pictures. Some reporters might have a knack, but most you know that's not their job. That's not how they're trained. It's not their experience. So when this World Series comes to an ends, and the next day, the two major papers, the Tribune and the Sun-Times, put out their papers, and the picture on the cover of the, Sun, of the, of the uh, Tribune is classic. It's, the, it's, it's, it's like something like five players leaping and, and grabbing each other and just you know, leaping high in the air, and it's just this, this, it's wonderful the way it's composed. And it and it shows the 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 moment of joy, and it, you know it's just it really captures it, and it, it, it more than just documenting the moment, as far as you know this is what it looked like, but it gives you the feel and has it 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 this it puts across the meaning of the moment all in that picture. The cover of the Sun Times, which I think is comes out must look more like a magazine because it's a wraparound picture. I, I thought I think it seems like weird, but it's. It's, it's landscape format, which I prefer in video, but in photography, still photography, you can do landscape portrait that's make it work, make it work. But in video, let's, let's stick with the landscape, especially you amateurs. But anyway, it's, it, 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 it shows the moment, but it doesn't necessarily capture the moment. And so uh, there was a criticism put up. And one person had said, you know, uh, this is the this is the difference. This is this is iconic versus forgettable. The way these pictures looked, and this uh, I'll I'll link to it in the show notes. So you can take a look at the picture, and if you scroll down, it'll show you that there was the same criticism levied at the the Sun Times uh, just three years ago when the. Chicago Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup, and the players were bringing the cup around town. And the Tribune has a picture that shows the joyousness of it, and uh, the the you know all these arms just reaching out to grab a hold of the cup or just to touch it, you know, holding it up in the air. And the other one just shows a guy carrying it. And the, the composition of the page is terrible. 
<laughs> in the Sun-Times. It's just terrible. What graphics people do you have? Probably not many because it's terrible. So, yes, uh, it's just it's, it's still sports ballish, but uh, and obviously it's just me describing it. So you need to you need to check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. You can take a look at it. You can get to the show notes by going to dimland.com and clicking on the blog option, and the show notes will be up there. As I said, sometime on Monday. That's we usually when I get them up. Okay, uh, let's see. I'll take that one off the list. Things to talk about. <clears throat> I noticed. Uh, let's see, what time have I got? I really don't have any more time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Can that be true? No, I got more time. I got time. I just put the wrong thing here. Hang on. I'm just, I'm just, this is, you know, this is stuff that other shows would edit out, but I, I keep it in. Um, I've got a couple few minutes. Um, back in March of this year, March 19th, uh, the show that I did, uh, show number two. 67. That was 30 shows ago. That's right, I'm closing in on 300 shows. I talked about uh, some ads that I was seeing on Antenna TV. You know, hang on, I gotta take a sip here. I was talking about some ads uh, that were kind of misleading or dubious, and one of them was for my pillow. Uh, my pillow is uh, was in, invented by a dude that lives here in the Twin Cities. His name is Mike Lindell, and he's also the CEO of the company My Pillow. And these ads were just annoying as all hell. Uh, <laughs> they just were. It's not. They weren't terrible, but they have a. They had some. Fellow, his name is Steve Patterson, and he's one of the hosts of this show called Twin Cities Live, which is a fluff piece show that's on local TV here. I'm sure you have them in your area of the world. And uh, and so he's hosting it, and he's he's talking to this uh, to Mike Lindell's talking about this pillow and what a you know what a great pillow it is, and and you know Patterson sets up Lindell to to make some claims, but he makes claims in kind of a weasel using weasel wording in order to hopefully be able to cover his ass. He says you know because there's there's benefits to this pillow more than just being comfortable. And being cool, you know, not cool like Fonzie, but cool is in, in not hot, not warm. Uh, it's nice, you know, especially in hot days, you want a cool pillow. And uh, and and it's comfortable and it keeps its shape and all this stuff. And that stuff might be true, especially the, the keeps its shape and that kind of, You can kind of, you know, so that might be true. That's not an outlandish claim. But then he starts talking about physical ailments that this pillow helps with, uh, fibromyalgia, uh, sleep apnea, and he listed off a couple other things. But what he says, like I said, he uses a weasel phrase before he starts talking about these benefits. He says, I've had people tell me. See? I've had people tell me this. He's not saying that we've, you know, he's he's not making the claim. He's just saying... He's been told this by people. So they can kind of weasel out of it if anybody ever says, hey, you're claiming these pillows help with this, this, and this. They say, oh, no, 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 we didn't claim they were helping us with this, this, and this. Just people told us that it helped with those things. We're not making any empirical claim. But just last week, I think it was, well, there was a lawsuit that was brought against my pillow by uh, out there in California, uh, and the the lawsuit was that the ads were misleading 
and, uh, and suggesting that the pillow helps with all these ailments. And there's no, they offer no scientific clinical evidence that, that shows that it helps. And so there was a lawsuit brought against them. And I'm sure the defense that they would have used would to say, was to use the weasel words and say, hey, we didn't say that, that, that the pillows do this. We were just told that the pillows do Well, turns out they decided to just settle. And so the lawsuit, it, it settled for something like a, uh, just under a million dollars in civil penalties and then, uh, then $100,000 to be paid to a, a charitable organization for uh, homeless or for you know, domestic violence or something like that. And I looked at that and I thought, that's kind of surprising in that you know, with the weasel words, they still went after... And I like that. I, I like that the, the the you know the the you know the California district attorney or whatever whoever it was that brought this against them, uh, you know, that they were not, they were looking past the weasel words. They were saying, no, no, no. You we're, we got you're you're you may not be saying straight out it does this, but you're implying that your pillow does this, and uh, you need to back that up. You can't you, you can't be making such claims because uh, you're misleading people, and that not good, and I and the fact that they did that is good. So I so that's cool, and I'll link to that. Good night, Ooh, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, I've come to the end of another show. It's a lot of sports. I hope you didn't mind too much, but uh, be skeptical. And uh, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Jim Doctor Dimfit Simmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. And now I got a deal with no baseball until next spring. I'll manage. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option. And you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow.